to another episode of Splice, Splice together. together. I'm Michelle. Oh, Fernando! Your mother ate my dog! Not all of it. And I'm Harper. You don't mind a bit of manpower, do you, Doris? Oh, dirty bastard! F-U-C-K. <laughs> 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 uh, in this episode, we're mixing things up a little bit. We're going to be doing our mini-segment first, followed by our main segment afterwards. Ooh. Yeah, it Weird. makes sense. It, just hold on to your horses. <laughs> um, so our mini segment, we will be talking about the late, great Ian Holm, mm-hmm. who recently passed away, and we'll be discussing some of our favorite films that he was in. Um, and then since that part is so depressing, our main segment will be about comfort movies. Uh, so there was... Yeah. <laughs> yes. There is a film Twitter thread going around about what you would like schedule a week's worth of comfort movies during this because great, we all great need time. Comfort <laughs> yeah. Right now. So we're gonna scale it back a little bit and we'll talk about five each for me and Harper. Yeah. Um so yeah. Movies that we can rely on to make us happy or feel something i guess <laughs> yeah we'll get into more of what a comfort movie is as we go through them yeah so let's start so uh yeah i guess we want to start just a little about sir ian holm um so sir ian holm was one of the this is this part of most of this is from imdb by the way uh, Sir Ian Holm was one of the world's greatest actors, a Laurence Olivier award-winning, Tony award-winning, BAFTA-winning, and Academy Award-nominated, can't believe he never won one, <laughs> British star of films and stage. He was a member of the prestigious Royal Shakespeare Company and has played more than 100 roles in film and television. Uh, he was born Ian Holm Cuthbert on September 12, 1931 in Good Mays, Essex, and he recently died on June 19th, just a few months short of his 89th birthday. Um, I have two quotes from him here because I thought they were interesting and kind of funny. Uh, This one was interesting. He said, I've always been a minimalist. It was Humphrey Bogart who once said, if you think the right thoughts, the camera will pick it up. The most important thing in the face is the eyes. And if you can make the eyes talk, you're halfway there. I think that applies to a lot of his roles. Yeah. That, although I will say, we'll talk about some of our favorite Ian Holm roles, but like a lot of his are also kind of flamboyant too which is kind of interesting yeah that he, he's yeah there's all this trivia about how he's such a subtle actor like not necessarily in a lot of the movies i like him in yeah <laughs> but we'll talk about that um and the other quote that i thought was great he said uh, i'm completely amazed by the reaction that the films have had i get a lot of fan mail addressed to bilbo and sometimes sir bilbo it's hardly <laughs> ever addressed <laughs> it's hardly ever addressed to ian holm he said um so we had four movies well i guess it's six movies technically but um we've four, already discussed one of them at length yeah well i guess let's start <laughs> with that <laughs> so that we really love ian holman so yeah well, let's start with lord of the rings since we've talked about that a lot recently yeah so he plays bilbo baggins mm-hmm. um he's also in the hobbit movies very briefly um, yeah so based well you've read the books now how do you feel him uh, has he portrayed Bilbo accurately? Yeah, I think so. You think so. he's the best Bilbo out there? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I do think, uh, what's his name? Martin Campbell? Is that his name? Freeman. Freeman. Mark, oh, Martin, <laughs> Cam- Martin Campbell's that director. Uh, Martin Freeman. I think I think he does play the, the younger um, uh, Bilbo. He's got the, per- the right personality for it. But um, yeah, Ian Holm is an awesome older Bilbo, especially like the whole first scene or big setup of uh, of Fellowship at his birthday party is so great. Yeah, I mean, and his his character is a perfect example in in the movies of like what can happen to even like uh, such a great person, how he he can even be sort of corrupted and 
messed yeah. up. And uh, also the scariest scene in the entire trilogy <laughs> when, he, when he freaks out in his face. Yeah, I feel like we'll monster. be talking about that again at some point when we do our scary, scary moments scary in non-horror yeah. movies. <laughs> Bilbo face. Yeah, he'll be number one scary for sure. Bilbo face. Um, yeah, he's great in that. And he he's like the introduction to the world of at least like after the intro of like the history of middle earth he's like the introduction into hobbiton and all that hobbiton he's great (laughs) yeah i think that role i'm really glad that's kind of like what he went out on Mm -hmm. like that's a really solid thing to leave behind for people to enjoy um so i think one of the first films i saw him in was in the fifth element yeah which almost made my comfort movie list but He's a huge part. He plays like the priest, priest in the future who is in like he is in charge of uh helping Lilu <laughs> get to the stones and stuff. Yeah. Of uh, the secret society mm-hmm. of space people. <laughs> yeah, you watched this more recently than me, right? Uh it's probably Maybe. been a year or so. Oh, ago. I thought you watched it kind of recently. I, I, I love the development. Yeah, I do too. But it, to be honest, I don't remember his character specifically that well. He's like, very like spastic and like him and Bruce Willis have like little chuckles every now and then because they're yeah. like, they really made her perfect, didn't they? And they're like, yes. And he's like sweating and like stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he like uh when he he tries to pretend he's really bad at everything he's supposed to be doing. Oh, okay. So he's kind of more of like a comedic relief, I guess. He's uh tries to pretend to be Bruce Willis's character to get on the cruise ship that's going flying away and right. he's like, No, I'm Corbin Dallas. Like it's me and then he like has to hitch a ride in the engine. Oh room. yeah. And yeah. I like him in it. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other one that was probably very early for me. Um, and he's only kind of a supporting role. I guess he's kind of a supporting role in all of these, really, but important supporting roles. Um, uh, in Brazil, he, yeah. he plays uh, Jonathan Price's boss, who's always going, has anybody <laughs> seen Lowry? Yeah. He's like the totally, uh, he, he's totally uh, incapable of doing anything on his own. He constantly is in need of Lowry to yeah. get anything done. Um yeah, and he's very funny in that too. I love, I love. I mean, that's one of my all-time favorite movies. So it's great to see him in that. Um, and then probably the big one, which I, I think maybe is my favorite Ian Holm role. Yeah, is Alien. Yeah. So in this one, he plays a robot, right? Spoiler. <laughs> yeah, sorry, he's a robot. <laughs> this is the one of the ones that we wanted to talk about, where definitely he's got that minimalist thing going on. Yeah, because you can tell there's some, there's like this intense uh, quarrel between him and Ripley, his character and Ripley. That's very just at the surface throughout yeah. the whole movie until you find out that he's actually an android. Um, and he does that whole weird thing where he like jogs in place, and it's really kind of cre- yeah. weird and unsettling and <laughs> kind of funny. And then of course, when he goes, when he gets. Uh, his head knocked off and he's all like blah, 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 yeah that part is always creepy and, and crazy, crazy. <laughs> and then he has arguably the best line in the entire franchise of alien when he says uh um oh man what does he say well he well he's that whole speech where he's talking about the alien he's like i admire its purity <laughs> and then he says um when he's just ahead you have my sympathies <laughs> yeah at the end. a little creepy and unsettling <laughs> even when he's like literally beheaded he's still like you know, yeah. you guys aren't going to survive this, and it's super unsettling. So I guess he kind of, I mean, from what we've talked about, it's almost all sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, I mean, obviously he has a long career of doing, like, Shakespeare stuff um, yeah. uh, on stage and in movies, too. Um, so he's done a lot more serious roles, but for us, for sure, he's played a huge role in, like, cult and sci-fi and fantasy films. Yeah. Um that's definitely where we know him best from. Um, yeah, it was super sad when he passed away. Yeah, we've we've lost a lot of uh, actors because I guess a lot of the folks that are uh, that we grew up watching are kind of reaching that age now, so it's it's sad. But Ugh. yeah, we unfortunately <laughs> had the dis- a lot this year. <laughs> had the displeasure of starting a list of people we wanted to do these in memoriam yeah. uh, segments for, and he was the one we wanted to hit first, so. R.I.P. Ian Holm. Yep. We we'll love you. We'll make our smoothies to him. 
Um, so yeah, so let's uh, let's feel better. Yeah, we'll feel better. <laughs> so let's get into our main segment: uh, comfort movies. So Harper, how would you describe your comfort movies? Mine are interesting. I mean, we'll see when we start talking about them. But for me, it's not necessarily like some of them are very like upbeat, like happy ending kind of movies, but not necessarily. A lot of mine are kind of bittersweet or like to me, it's a movie that like kind of hits all the right notes. Like it's not just a straight comedy. It's not just an action movie. Like it's got a blend of a lot of different things that just sort of all work together and just, uh, I don't know. It gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Yeah. I think mine are pretty similar. I went for more... A lot of mine are like two genres. Surprisingly, it's a lot more comedies than I was realizing. Oh, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> Except for one. And then I guess I picked stuff that like I could... On a bad day, if I watch this, I know it will take my mind off of stuff. Yes. Or it will make me feel happy or like... I don't know kooky (laughs) these are also the kind of movies that like um if we were separated for whatever reason like if you were out of town or if i was at a hotel for business this is the kind of movie i'd want to watch if i was filming i'm pretty sure i have (laughs) watched all of these whenever you're on set yeah (laughs) like well i'm gonna watch some of my favorite movies (laughs) so i think a lot of mine also have definitely an element of like loneliness to them in one way or another i don't know if any of mine do i would say uh, maybe not a lot but at least maybe two of the five yeah two or three uh so should we get into them yeah you want to go first yeah these are not in any sort of order yeah it's just like whatever came to mind so my first movie i picked was scream oh big surprise (laughs) i can't remember how many times i've talked about scream before not enough yeah but 1996 Wes craven uh stars nev campbell courtney cox david arquette jamie kennedy Rose McGowan and Skeet Orch. Skeet. Skeet. Uh, So if you don't know what Scream is about by now, I'll give you a quick update. Mm -hmm. A killer known as Ghostface begins killing off teenagers, and as the body count begins rising, one girl and her friends find themselves contemplating the rules of horror films as they find themselves living in a real-life film. Horror film. I don't know. Story. (laughs) Um, so it's yeah, meta horror at its finest. Yeah, I think it's just one of those like really, really solid f- horror films that I can rely on, and like you have to space it out just long enough so like you kind of know what the twist is, but it's better to just kind of forget it <laughs> each time. Uh, but I think the first time I saw this was probably I'm gonna say in high school, mm-hmm. maybe on TV. Because I don't think I ever owned it um, on VHS or anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but since then, I have probably watched this a hundred times. This was definitely, you know, I, I don't know if I remembered this until just now that Scream, I think, was a movie that you were a big fan of it. I had never seen it. I don't think I saw it until we watched it at a Halloween party. I was going to say, I think I do remember picking it at a Halloween party, but... I had definitely seen it before then. Yeah, you definitely turned me on to the franchise, and now it's one of my favorites, too, for yeah. sure. And, of course, when you watch Scream 1, you have to also watch 2 and 4 right afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there is a third one, right? <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, my favorite line, which I think we quote a lot, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> I was, <laughs> was going to say... Um, uh, He's right behind you. Yeah. There's so many good quotes, but that was the one I feel like I said. But wait, there's more. (laughs) So just even quoting them on a day-to-day basis lifts my spirits. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny, adding on to what I said a minute ago, I forgot. I saw a scary movie before I saw Scream. Isn't that bizarre to see (laughs) the like parody movie before you see, like the spoof movie before you see the real one. So bizarre. So I knew all these jokes that were parodying Scream, which is parodying... (laughs) Real slashers. <laughs> Very funny. Oh, and then what's the thing? She, it's like, maybe we can make this a PG-13 movie. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like making out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is one of my favorite movies. So whenever I watch it, like you get the rules. Like it's complicated enough that you can still enjoy it. And it's funny enough that it uh, the jokes don't get too old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's just a really great slasher film. Yeah. It's Makes one me of the happy. best. It's an excellent uh, of of all the ones in that franchise, especially. I think 
the first screen is a perfect blend of a slasher movie that also pokes fun at slasher movies. Yeah. Like it's genuinely a great slasher movie. Yeah, and it has some really good scary moments too. Yeah. Like the whole beginning is crazy oh, the yeah. way if, it starts. If you had never seen it before, the opening, it would be yeah. really shocking. <laughs> For sure. So that's my first pick. What's yours? Good one. Mine, yeah, I figured uh, since you're getting your obvious one out of the way, I will mine too. <laughs> and that's a movie we've probably talked about a gazillion times. That's Jurassic Park. Yeah. 1993. Steven Definitely Spielberg. would be on my list too. <laughs> um, I mean, to me, Jurassic Park is the best blockbuster movie that was ever made in, in my lifetime. Like outside of that, I'd say maybe Jaws was, but you know, uh, it's, and this is the, a perfect example of what I was saying earlier. This movie is a perfect blend of like, it's exciting. It's scary. It's funny, it's charming, it's uh, got fantastic cinematography, and one of my favorite scores of all time. Like, everything about Jurassic Park just makes me happy. And We're any- talking about the Chris Pratt one, right? <laughs> F-U-C-K. <Yeah. laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, and it's got, like, a perfect script. I always talk yeah, about, Yeah, the dialogue like, is really good. The dialogue's natural. great. And just all the, like, character-building stuff that all comes perfectly to except for maybe the computer stuff um it's a, it's a, a unix I know this. Or a linux um, but like i always talk about the moment when uh dr grant tie he can't find the two the right seatbelt ends when they're landing in the helicopter yeah. so he just grabs two of them and ties them together yeah that's like a perfect wordless way to like describe who he is without gonna get having to done. say anything yeah well he's just like a, yeah he's practical um no he's gonna get it done harper <laughs> uh and we decided to pick quotes for all these movies and there are way too many quotes. You for can this do as many choose. as you want. Well, the, I, just, <laughs> I just picked the first one that came to mind because it's one we do all the time when he says, uh, here I am, uh, talking to myself. <laughs> Not the, <laughs> that's chaos theory. So do your favorite sound effect quote too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's also the, uh, Oh, the other one I have ended up quoting a lot lately. Well, there's two weird lines. Cause after a while you stop quoting like the, uh, hold on to your butts and, no, it's just too Welcome obvious. Welcome to Jurassic Park. And yeah, so you get to the weirder ones like, uh, I will not get into another financial <laughs> debate with you. <laughs> and um, uh, some of them smell. Yeah, I've been saying that a lot. Yeah. To Harley. <laughs> she gets very offended. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, Jurassic Park is a absolutely perfect movie to me. It's you, wonderful filmmaking. Do you remember the first time you saw it? Uh, I actually do remember the first kind of you tell yours first though i don't know that i have like a first full time because i remember watching it in bits and pieces at my grandma's house on vhs and i think this is when i was still like terrified of horror movies and so i'd watch like the first five minutes and then freak out and see the dinosaurs. <laughs> but yeah so i think i watched it probably in parts a lot as a kid yeah and then um yeah i don't remember when i first saw it. i know by the time lost world came out i was 100 percent obsessed with jurassic park and i had seen it a lot by then so yeah so mine's kind of a weird memory. So I was in elementary school um, and we were at a babysitter's house and mm-hmm. the babysitter put Jurassic Park in and we started watching it. And then my parents, I think, found out or called to check in and they're like, no, they cannot be watching Jurassic Park because they're like eight or like, I don't know how old we were. So all I remember is like we got up to the brontosaurus is mm-hmm. <laughs> like getting the leaves and that was the end of my Jurassic Park um, but then we had it on VHS and I think eventually I just watched it after yeah. that I love I'm very jealous you have a lot of these classic early 90s kid no. uh, <laughs> movie experiences like watching Friday 13th movies at your grandma's house when you weren't supposed yeah. to or whatever <laughs> I yeah uh, my, my parents did not care at all what I watched yeah. so <laughs> I didn't yeah, have I had a lot of rules on what I was allowed which to probably see. made it more fun yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going to grandma's house was like blockbuster. So yeah. <laughs> I watched all of the Halloweens cause she had all of them on That's VHS. Awesome. So like, all right, Halloween one, two, three, H two O. That is totally <laughs> awesome. Whereas, um, whereas my mom was sneaking me into see hollow man when I was which, like 14 yeah. years old. <laughs> As someone who worked at the movie theater, I hate people like your mom. Yeah, she, bought, she would buy it. Uh, <laughs> hey mom, she would buy yeah. extra tickets and then come in with us and then go out the exit in the theater. I'm glad she would at least commit to that. But like, if you bought the ticket, just watch. We did that, we did that a lot. Me and my cousin, we got into a lot. Mom got us into a ton of R-rated movies that yeah. way. Because <laughs> we would always like watch. And if the parent left, then we would like go in. But if they go yeah. in the theater, like, yeah, they're in there, right? 
Resident <laughs> Evil, old school, maybe the transporter. I don't know if yeah. that's R or not, but yeah. <laughs> so speaking of Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about the remake that's going to not remake the next one, which is going to have <sighs> all of them in it. And it makes me so mad because I don't want to watch any of the Jurassic Worlds. So. Jurassic, uh, Jurassic World is one. Of, uh, that's one of the most. I walked out of the theater angry and I legitimately felt I thought about walking out of the theater in the middle of the movie because yeah. it made me so it was so uh, it's, awful. It's awful and just yeah, it totally subverts everything. It takes that was everything great about good about it and makes it poop. <laughs> Even two and three are, have like some redeeming qualities. But, yeah. yeah, three is when you definitely start to lose it. Two is at least Two's original. Not very good when we rewatched it. No, but long. it's original. <laughs> like it's not just let's go back to the park. It's sort of original. It also steals a lot from King Kong. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, so any other Jurassic Park thoughts? No, I'm sure we'll talk about Jurassic Park in every other Never episode of this podcast. Again. <laughs> I think we talked about it like a few episodes ago because we just recently watched it as a comfort well, That's why movie. we got to mix up what we actually talk about for each. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. All right. So my next pick, which I've probably talked about on a movie monthly thing because I watched it in January, but Pride and Prejudice Came out in 2005, directed by Joe Wright, stars Carrie Knightley, Matthew McFadden, Rosamund Pike, Donald Sutherland. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't know what this is about, it's basically a Mr. love Darcy. story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's all I remember. <laughs> yeah, it's like an English family, uh, five daughters who they're trying to wed them all because since he didn't have any sons, nobody will get their property and it'll go to the cousin who's a weirdo. and Right crazy religious dude um and then this rich guy mr darcy comes <laughs> also that's my favorite quote that i like to say <laughs> mr darcy <laughs> um, i thought it was going to be the meme that we constantly use from this movie. oh well yeah that's another one yes times, yes yes i say that a lot all the time <laughs> Uh, anyway, it's a good love story, and I it makes me warm and fuzzy inside, and it reminds me that romances are still alive. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> well, you never watch romance movies. That's you, not I literally true. was like, I want to pick a romance movie the other night, and you're like, ugh. I have two romance <laughs> movies on my list, three if you count Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> but I, definitely... I don't but okay <laughs> hey, we'll talk about sexism and survival situations when we get back talk about romance in romance movies okay. I, have t- I have two that are definitely romance movies your idea of romance is different though. we'll see but okay uh i i need to watch pride and prejudice again to be perfectly honest right because <laughs> because i honestly i get it mixed up and this is gonna sound stupid but i get it mixed up with atonement because it's the same director and a lot of the same cast right it's not even the same i know it's not <laughs> takes place in different centuries yeah i'm aware (laughs) but i mean it is the same director and it's kieran knightley but i think those are the only two overlapping parts Mm. and atonement is a war movie this is just well the war is it revolutionary or civil war is it even america i thought it was england Boy, I'm terrible. I think it's America. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I need to rewatch it. <laughs> uh, so the first time I saw this movie, I'm pretty sure it was I had just started working at the movie theater because this came out in the end of 2005. So it carried over into 2006, which yeah. is when I started working. So I'm pretty sure I saw the ending like 20 times and then eventually watched the entire thing. Mm. And then I fell in love. <laughs> but leading up to that, I had only ever seen Karen Knightley in Pirates of the Caribbean and oh, man, seeing so Bend It like um, Beckham posters, but uh, not ever watching it. I think you're missing a crucial Karen Knightley role. What? The Phantom Menace. Oh, she's barely, she's like a stunt double in that. <laughs> a very important stunt double. <laughs> um, so I ended up loving this and yeah, I think it's also really funny and the direction and music is just awesome. Yeah. So it's not like your typical romance movie because there's a lot of great like cinematography and little subtle moments and stuff. All Joe Wright's movies are beautiful. Yeah. And he does some really clever like stuff where they like dance for the first time and then like everybody in the room disappears and it's just them. But then like oh, it yeah. comes fades back in and it's, it's so romantic. Is there a long take in this movie? Doesn't he do long takes? I'm pretty takes in sure there room? is, but I don't know. 
not as noticeable as Atonement's yeah, long take. Yeah, that was pretty wild. Um, but I know there's definitely some of his signature trademarks throughout. Yeah. So that's my second pick, Pride and Prejudice. All right. Not with zombies. No, I saw that one. It's fine, but this is ten <laughs> times pretty, better. Pretty different. Also, a lot of people pick the like mini British miniseries over this one, but hmm. I think this one's way better. You watched the miniseries one? A long time ago. Oh, okay. Well, my second one is Lost in Translation from 2003, directed by Sofia Coppola. This was probably the first, if you say comfort movie, this is the first one that pops into my head for sure. Like, yeah. Without a doubt. And we I think, used to watch this a lot. Yeah, it's been a while. I've watched this, I watched this on my birthday sometimes too. I think I did this, or last year maybe. Um, that's another comfort movie thing for sure. A movie Birthdays? you watch on your birthday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I guess if you've never seen it, um, Lost Translation is about a kind of washed up actor played by Bill Murray who goes to Tokyo um, to do some promotional commercial shoots and try and stir up uh, interest so he can get a job. Um, And while he's there, he runs into this young woman played by uh, Scarlett Johansson who is kind of stuck in Tokyo because her husband is a, he's a, music photographer right he like I think follows so. band, a band i think um and he he's like out on assignment so she's just kind of stuck hanging around in this hotel in tokyo um and is very young and married and kind of disillusioned and kind of having an existential crisis um i think the movie is really interesting because it has it covers this weird overlap between a midlife crisis and like a young disillusionment like trying to find out who you're supposed to be and then somebody struggling with who they ended up being i guess yeah so there's this weird overlap between that and which brings out this like special brand of like bittersweet lost love like like almost like it's like a this movie's like a memory of a of a uh of like a really sweet friendship and romance rather than like an active romance i guess maybe it's a passive romance um it might be an emotional yeah, romance. for sure. But I just mean the feeling of the whole movie feels like it's a memory or a dream yeah. rather than like it's actually happening kind of thing. Uh, it's very, very sweet. It's also laugh out loud funny. Um, and it's, I love Bill Murray. Yeah, this. <laughs> he's fantastic. Uh, and it's beautifully shot too. I love the cinematography in this. Uh, really captures, well, not that I've been there, but I feel like it really captures <laughs> yeah. kind of the strangeness of, of any big city, but especially, you know, a city like Tokyo. Um. Yeah, it's a movie that I watch. It's definitely kind of when I'm feeling kind of sad or lonely kind of movie to watch for sure. Um, I think my I picked, I had a hard time picking a quote from this one too because there's a lot that we quote all the time. But one that always is just sort of subtle that I kind of always forget about until it comes up because it's near the end of the movie. So and he uh, thinks he missed saying goodbye to her when he has to leave. Yeah. And so he calls from the lobby to her room and, because he remembers that she still has his jacket. And he says, enjoy my jacket, which you stole from me. He hangs <laughs> up. <laughs> that's the last, he thinks that's his last words to her. <laughs> Sorry, that was really funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's, uh, there's some debate about whether this movie is problematic about the way it portrays Japanese people. Yeah. And I think it's less, it's not, I don't, to me anyways, and you could definitely argue the opposite, I could see, but um, it's not making fun of Japanese culture so much as it is just showing, I don't know, that these two people are lost and so they're in a place where they don't quite understand and and that doesn't quite understand them either. Hence the Lost in Translation title. Um, So it's less about like, oh, Japanese people are weird as Mm -hmm. in like if... uh, somebody from Japan came and hung out in New York city. It might feel the same way. Like it's, it's more of like a fish out of water kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I love this movie to death. It's one of my, one of my favorites for sure. What about you? Do you like lost in translation? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> yeah. Uh, it would have been on my list, but it's been so long since we watched it. I feel like after I kept seeing those articles about how it is problematic. It kind of like tainted it for a little bit. Hmm. Um, but I think it's definitely one of the few like Sofia Coppola movies that still stand up, even though, well, I don't yeah. know if it has problems, maybe it doesn't. Lost in Translation <laughs> and Virgin Suicides to me are both still fantastic movies. Yeah. Definitely still one of my favorites. And I don't, I'm trying to remember when we saw this. 
I the first time I watched it was definitely with you. I yeah, think I don't I maybe, remember why we. Yeah, I don't know. It. I think I might have rented it like on disc from Netflix or something. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, but yeah, definitely one that I put on when I'm feeling blue for sure. It's pretty depressing. <laughs> it's depressing, but it's all. I mean, it's kind of bittersweet. I think a lot yeah. of mine are, are are like that. Wonders of the Orient. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts on Lost in Translation? No. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, if you, if you got bad things to say about this one, hold on to your horses. <laughs> oh, great. Harper's got to be controversial. <laughs> Mine's just like, I like cats. <laughs> so cats, that's the next one? Yeah. 2020 cats? cats? <laughs> no, my next one is Dead Alive, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Brain Dead, because you have to say that every single time. <laughs> I think this was one I brought up before in our like handshake. our very first episode, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll try not to say all the same things again, but it came out in 1992. Peter Jackson directed it. So it's one of the biggest New Zealand films of all time. <laughs> really? Well, <laughs> okay. not anymore. I know. In 1992. Yes. <laughs> it was, it was previ- before Lord of the, before Lord of the Rings yeah. had its own, tour, uh, like ministry in <laughs> New Zealand. Um, so if you don't know what this is about, it's about a young man's mother is bitten by a Sumatran rat monkey. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She gets sick and dies, at which time she comes back to life, killing, eating dogs, nurses, and friends and neighbors. (laughs) And then I don't even know what his goal is. Is he trying to kill her? Or I think he's trying to just escape his mother because he's in love with this woman that his mother would not approve of. (laughs) Um, Uh, can I try and guess your favorite line? Yeah. Well, I wrote a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, there were two I was thinking of. One is, your mother ate my dog. Yeah, that's the first one. <laughs> and the other one was, uh, I kick ass for the that's Lord. the third one. What's <laughs> so the second one? Party's over. Yeah, that would have been a good one for sure. Uh, so this is obviously a horror comedy. It's super quirky and weird because it's all like Peter Jackson, New Zealand horror or humor, mm-hmm. but not like bad taste humor because that movie was not funny at all. <laughs> uh, that's debatable, but. <laughs> this movie is hilarious. That for sure (laughs) and it has like great uh little zombie people and the effects are over the top not even like great effects just like an inflating giant person Mm -hmm. (laughs) like (laughs) how about the fact that when they found out they had extra money in the budget he wrote in a scene that has nothing to do with anything except that it's hilarious where he takes the baby to the park and yeah, it's very, like, and, like, slapstick humor. He punches the baby in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Evil baby. <laughs> um, and then also the crazy amounts of blood, which we talked about or yes. will talk about in a future episode. Yeah. Um, gallons. Gallons, gallons. Gallons of blood. Uh, so I don't even know. I don't know. It's just such a weird horror comedy. It just makes me feel better <laughs> when I watch it. Um, but I think... I'm guessing the first time we saw this, I think for me was at Splatter Cinema. Mm, um, I think I might have seen. I it think you that. had seen it before, and you're like, "We should go. I think you'll like it." And I'm like, "Okay, Harper, <laughs> what do we say?" Well, it's a good impression of yourself. <laughs> um, and then yeah, no idea what we were getting in for. So seeing it with a huge audience was also amazing. Oh yeah. Um, and then it came out convert. Yeah. Dead Alive Convert. That's a great one. Yeah. If you've never seen, if all you've ever seen of Peter Jackson is like Lord of the Rings and King Kong. Yeah. It's like complete opposite of that. Definitely go back. I mean, of his early horror movies, this is easily the best and it's fantastic. I put it on par with like Evil Dead 2 for sure. Yeah. Definitely. And like, I guess Return of the Living Dead yeah. would have been those, a swap out between these two. Those like Evil Dead 2, Return of the Living Dead, and Dead Alive to me are like the quintessential horror comedies. Yeah. They're all they're the big three. Perfect movies. <laughs> yeah. Return of the Living Dead narrowly escaped my comfort movie list. Yeah. It was on mine for a second too. But then I was like, I think I have to pick Dead Alive. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, so yep. What's your third choice? This one will not be controversial at all, and that's Stand Good. Stand By Me from 1986, directed by Rob Reiner. Ultra boy movie. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is, but I don't think it's a movie about masculinity in any way, really. No. Um, I think it's about childhood. And yeah, so if you haven't seen it, Stand By Me is uh, starts with this writer um, who's starts to write a story about his childhood. It's based on a, a short story by Stephen King, by the way. Um, called The Body. 
Um, Stephen King? The Stephen King. <laughs> Stephen King? Stephen King. Um, so it's about, uh, he's writing a story about his childhood in which kind of the last summer before high school, or maybe it's before middle school, um, but... Yeah, they're pretty... Well, they're all kind of different ages. It's like it's before they're say. going into whatever part of school where, where you sort of choose whether you're going to... get to hang out all the time. Right, where like <laughs> the smart kids go to the smart classes and yeah. you have to choose whether you're like vocational school or college track or whatever. Um, but uh, be- right before that, like the weekend before school starts, they all somehow hear about that this kid that went missing... They hear about these older kids that found the body of this kid, and so they venture out to try and find this kid's body so they can uh, turn turn it in for reward money. What, what are you? Kids want to see a dead body? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poke it with a stick. Um, so, yeah, they're kind of on this adventure to find this body, and they, they're, they don't know it, but they're in a race with the older kids, these, like, violent gang kids that are also trying to kind of do the same thing. They just all really want to be in the newspaper. Yeah. Hence why <laughs> Vern, that weird? Vern, Vern brings his comb. Because, you know, he yeah. wants to look nice for when the newspaper... I guess they want to go viral. Is that the equivalent? <laughs> yeah, just came out now. They'd want to be insta-famous. Um, to me, again, like Lost in Translation, this movie is really bittersweet in the best possible kind of way. Because um, it's a coming-of-age movie kind of filtered through this lens of, like, learning about the reality of death in a lot of ways. Like they're, they're having this fun adventure, but it's constantly under like the shadow of a, the fact that they're on an adventure to find a kid's dead body. Yeah. And B that they keep kind of having these close brushes with death, like with the train twice with the train, with the slugs, with the yeah, leeches, leeches, with the dog, <laughs> the, the junkyard dog, sick Sandlot. balls. <laughs> um, and also, just one of the other things I absolutely adore about this movie, River Phoenix's character, Chris Chambers, is like maybe my all-time favorite <laughs> movie character. That Chris Chambers is like my moral compass. He's the greatest movie character ever written. He's such a good. He's a good person in the best possible way. Yeah. He's like the. He's uh, just misunderstood. He is. He's like the kid <laughs> from kind of the quote-unquote bad family. Like his older brother's like a thug, and he gets blamed for all this stuff, but he's actually super smart and is very emotionally mature. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And so, and the whole flashback thing at the end about, you know, like what happened to him is really upsetting. And especially given that how similar it is to what really happened to river Phoenix too. So there's kind of a weird serendipity there. Um, but yeah, I absolutely adore this movie. It's one of my favorites as a kid. It really scared the hell out of me as a kid. It freaked me out. But, um, you know, I think a lot of the best movies do that. So when did you see it first? Oh, I don't know. I was probably like eight or nine years old. It seems a little young. Was Maybe this PG 10, or PG-13? I don't know. There's a lot of language in it, but I'll, I'll bet it was... Maybe it wasn't rated I'll bet it's PG. PG-13 It was probably yet. PG at that point, but it would be PG-13 now for sure. Yeah, I don't remember the first time I saw this. I feel like we probably watched it together because I don't, unless it was on TBS, I don't think I would have seen it. Maybe. <laughs> this is definitely one of my dad's favorite movies too. And I think that's part of why I saw it so early. Um, there's a lot of good quotes from this one too. Can you guess what mine was? Uh, I know there's a line that, what's his name, says. that <laughs> I laughed a lot, but I don't remember the it. The fat kid? What's his real name? I always um, Jeremy can't. Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, I can never. Who's also in one of the Scream movies? Oh yeah, uh, Scream Two. <laughs> um, but yeah, I always. It's so crazy seeing him like that. <laughs> yeah, he's a handsome dude. He's married to um, what's her name? Uh, Rebecca Romaine now. <laughs> so weird. He's a fat kid in Stand by Me. Uh, my favorite line was. Oh God, that's weird. What the hell is Goofy? <laughs> They're sitting around a that campfire. Might be it. <laughs> I love that part. Man, so I can't much. remember what the line is though. Well, I almost went with the last line of the movie was is the whole um uh does it's like um does anyone ever have friends like they did when they were twelve years old? Or he's like, I, I've never had any friends that like the ones I had when I was twelve years old. Jesus, does anybody? Mm. Well, it wasn't that line. <laughs> Um. Oh well, I don't know. Yeah, I just remember being really funny. It's just like so stupid. Maybe it was the goofy one. I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe Barfo Rama. Maybe. (laughs) Boom, Baba. Boom, Baba. 
Oh yeah, it that was a whole bar- like Obama. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other thoughts on Stand by Me? No, I love Stand by Me. is so so good. I could watch it at any given time, which is makes it a comfort movie. <laughs> so my next movie. Like, all of yours are pretty depressing, Harper. Jurassic Park is not depressing. But yeah, the rest of mine are. Yeah. Uh, so mine, complete opposite. Pure comedy and adrenaline. Hot fuzz. 2007, Edgar Wright. Uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost. Mm-hmm. Timothy Dalton. <laughs> this is a movie that's in my, when I look at Letterbox, it's like number three on my most watched movies. Yeah. So Hot Fuzz is a parody movie. It's about a skilled London police officer who is transferred to a small town with a dark secret. Dark secret being murder. Can we say anything about murder? murder. <laughs> no luck catching them killers then. Yeah. So this, yeah, this is like, <laughs> if I'm in a really, really bad mood or <laughs> really sad, this is what I'm going to watch. Because it's just, it makes fun of like action films. It's cleverly written, great dialogue, great jokes. And even like the whole mystery is interesting and crazy. And there's some twists. And then the cast is crazy. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Of their like Cornetto trilogy, I think Hot Fuzz is the best personally. And because all three of those movies, but in particular this one, um, they're, it's just crammed full of funny moments. Like yeah. every possibility, every single line, every movement, every shot, every transition, <laughs> they Even took the, the care. Editing exactly. They took the crazy. care to make every part of it as funny as it could possibly be. Yeah. And you can really tell. And it's, oh, it's just so funny. It gets so me. funny. It gets my humor. <laughs> A big bushy beard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, compared to like Shaun of the Dead is really, really good and it's a yes. good horror comedy and it does really good at making fun of like horror tropes and stuff, but this is just next level. It's like they took all their money from that and then went crazy and did as much as they could with this one. So good. <laughs> um, so I think I saw this in theaters. Did you really? I don't know yeah. if I did. Because it came out in 2007. I would have been working there and seeing how funny it is. I remember going to see it. Did we see it together in theaters? I'm pretty sure we did. We would have been dating. Yeah, we must have been. I I remember renting, watching um, Shaun of the Dead at Dad's house. Like me and Dad and Kendall watched it and we thought it was great. Yeah. So yeah, we you and I probably did see it together in theaters. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I've probably watched it at least once a year every year since <laughs> yeah we've watched it on vacation a few times yeah. i remember like when we, we stayed we like we go stay in a cab and we brought it with us and like when we got stuck inside because the ice storm boy remember that <laughs> we all got stuck inside for like two days and we were like this is insane yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh i'm gonna go crazy <laughs> <laughs> we built like 10 legos that day yeah um, but this has so many good like one-liners it could just go on forever so Yarp. Let's just go back and forth. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, no luck catching them killers then. No luck catching them killers. <laughs> God rest them. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a bit of girl on girl. <laughs> <laughs> you cheeky bastard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Timothy Dalton, he's like, I'm a slasher. I must be stopped. <laughs> a slasher of prices when he's like jogging through the neighborhood. <laughs> Mr. Skinner. Yeah. The only thing believable in that play was their kiss. <laughs> I am oh. not Judge Judy and execution. Probably, probably bought the push car with the proceeds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My perfect Sunday. Yeah. And then you have like the country guy. No one understands. He's like. <laughs> he said. Mr. P.I. Staker. Piss Staker. <laughs> All right, Mr. Staker. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's crazy. It's fun. It makes me happy. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Oh, wait, we've skipped one that we say all the time. Super cop. The cop. The cop that can't be stopped. stopped. <laughs> also, Olivia Coleman. And yeah, this is probably role. the first place I ever saw her. Yeah, she's the one who says nothing like a bit girl on girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, like, hits somebody with a wet floor sign across the face. <laughs> um, what's what? She has, like, fake boobs on at some point. Yeah, it's for <laughs> Danny's birthday, I think. <laughs> um, uh. 
The living, the living statue. Yeah, <laughs> a plate has Prestige fallen across our town. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. could go on for the entire rest. You should of the just watch it. Just watch it. Otherwise, just watch. Otherwise, it. <laughs> the last like two minutes of this podcast have just been nonsense. Timothy Dalton. <laughs> so good. Talk about your pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not from this, but no. great <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Uh, so yeah, hot fuzz. I could go on and on just saying every single line from the whole movie. Let's just reenact the whole movie. I'll pull up the script. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. <laughs> and Martin Freeman's in it in the beginning, and mm, a bunch of other white people. <laughs> a bunch of other white people. It's all white people. Oh, who's who's the? Isn't the girlfriend somebody famous? She's in the suit. She's in the. She's like, Kate Blanchett. Oh right. Yeah. That's so you weird. never see her face. Yeah. But yeah. She's oh yeah. Our, he's like, like hi Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Not Bob. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, hot fuzz. Watch it. So good. Happy. Be happy. <laughs> All right. My next one is the one that I don't want it to be controversial, but it, it is, is Harper. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. You're not wrong. But that movie is Hannah and Her Sisters, 1986, directed by <clears throat> Woody Allen. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll get it out of the way that I'm not advocating to give Woody Allen money in any way. But this, so you should torrent this. Sure, go for it. <laughs> Steal this movie uh, because this is an excellent movie. Um, the movie if, uh, I've never seen it is basically about three sisters, um, uh, Hannah being the main one, played by Mia Farrow, um, and basically kind of their relationships and their world over three, three years. And it's kind of centered around three Thanksgivings. Um, and so, uh, like Mia Farrow's husband is Michael Caine and he's in love with, uh, one of the other sisters. Um, what's her name? Uh, I'm totally blanking on actress's name, but anyways, um, and she, that sister is dating, uh, Max von Sydow, who's like this super depressive artist um, and is really unhappy in their relationship. And then Diane Weist is the third sister who is just sort of like kind of the outcast. She's the youngest sister, or maybe she's the middle sister, but anyways, always having kind of problems with relationships and goes through different jobs and phases and things. Um, and Owen oh, Woody Allen plays Mia Farrow's ex-husband, who's also having like a crisis of faith because he thinks he might have cancer. Um, so yeah, it's centered around these three three Thanksgivings that the movie takes place over sort of, it's got these fantastic layered characters. Um, all, all the sisters and their partners and all their friends, even a lot of the minor, uh, supporting casts like, uh, Carrie Fisher. Um, and, uh, that guy from law and order, uh, what's his that name? Guy. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Um, all the supporting characters. Oh, what's his name from, uh, from home alone. Uh, one of the burglars, Daniel Stern plays like this, like, new rich guy who's trying to buy one of Max von Sydow's paintings just because he thinks it's weird or whatever. <laughs> like he's like a quintessential, like rock star who doesn't really understand art or whatever. Um, but yeah, the movie's just full of like these great layered characters. The uh, music is great. It's got this great jazz score. Um, and it's all like the movie's very kind of lonely and tragic with these very real genuine characters, but ultimately has, it's one of the few movies that to me has a very like, uplifting happy ending that really works and is really satisfying like because it all just sort of ties things up in a nice bow um in a way that feels like it really could have happened that way like everything sort of settles um yeah it's a movie i always i've gone back to a lot it's not my favorite woody allen movie but it is my favorite woody allen comfort movie for sure that has never been said. Woody Allen comfort. Yeah, in the I'm same sorry. <laughs> you, you can be a shitty person and, and have still made great art in the past. So. Destroy all of that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but I don't really remember it. I know we watched it once together, but I don't remember it sticking out that well at all. It's definitely one of his like sappier movies, which mm -hmm. is funny that I that it just works for me, though, for whatever reason. Oh, I didn't say my quote. It's Michael Caine. Might be one of the early quotes of the movie too. He says, uh, "For all my education, accomplishments, and so-called wisdom, I can't fathom my own heart." You didn't say it like him. I can't she do that. What's Emily Seventeen? <laughs> I'm on top. The whole thing was your idea. <laughs> the man in Burma was just throwing them away. <laughs> That's pretty good. Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know if I would ever watch it again because I hate Woody Allen. But I'm sorry. 
As long as it makes you feel good, that's fine. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on it? No. I'm sorry. I don't remember it. <laughs> uh, so next up, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, 1985, Tim Burton. I think we have to stop talking about Pee-wee, though. Yeah. This may be the last time we talk about it for a while because yeah. it's shown up in so many episodes. Because if we talk about like <laughs> kids' movies, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Tim Burton films, Pee-wee's Big <laughs> We talked about when we saw Eccentric Man-Childs. Yeah. <laughs> Eccentric Man-Child. <laughs> Top five eccentric man-child movies. The Clifford, which you probably have never heard of. Big. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, we're done with that episode. Anyway, I'm just going to say I'll skip the synopsis. Yeah. (laughs) It's a man named Pee-wee, and he's on a big He loses his bike. He's got to go find it. He goes to the Alamo. Francis. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So... I actually had never watched Pee-wee before I met you. What? You showed me Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Wait, had you seen the TV show at least? Nope. I wasn't allowed to watch it because he was a bad man who did a bad thing in a movie theater. Oh, really? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, uh, also, I don't even remember when it would have come on. I mean, it came out before we were alive. Well, yeah, so I wouldn't have watched that, (laughs) but yeah. The show was on when we were kids. I watched S-H-I-T. Out of the show. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Favorite quotes. Ugh, oh, man. Just... Actually, we let him go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good deep cut. Do you have any? Hope you find your bike, man. <laughs> that one was never funny until we heard Paul Rubens yeah. talk about that. <laughs> Things you shouldn't understand. <laughs> Things you couldn't understand. Mr. Herman to the front desk. Paging Mr. Herman. <laughs> and knitting and knitting and knitting. Do you have anything to add? I'm missing Larry. <laughs> <laughs> There's no basement in the Alamo. Yeah. I I remember the Alamo. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Stars at night are, are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> so yeah, all of my post- Jimmy Crack card <laughs> and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but anyway, it's the only like more kids movie, I guess. It makes me feel like a kid. It keeps my imagination popping. <laughs> it is it's hilarious. Great. I hilarious. know people I think you either get it or you don't. <laughs> and if you don't, you're not somebody I want to know. Basically, just get out of here. Pee-wee's Big Adventure is the best, man. I just want to see you in that little dress of yours. A C A B. Watch, take a picture of the last logger. Yeah, I love. Yeah, that part. Somebody posted about it recently. After they drive away from the cop, and uh, the convict guy like rips his mustache, his fake mustache off, yeah. and he's like, <sighs> and he's like freaking out. Yeah, and, and then he, he looks over at Pee-wee, and Pee-wee's still in the dress, just like. He's super just happy go lucky. Yeah. So yeah, I think Pee-wee's a perfect like watch any day of the week. What about a big top Pee-wee? No, it's weird. They yeah. gave him a girlfriend. It is. They gave him two girlfriends. Oh, Pee-wee's yeah. like cheating on his girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, Pee-wee, Pee-wee <laughs> as a sexual object is not something I ever wanted Gross. to see. And I wish I could. Yeah. I wish I could go back to that time when I was like, man, one day we should really watch Big Top Pee-wee. <laughs> and then what was the one, the recent one with... um. Oh, Pee-wee's Big Vacation Adventure or something like that? I remember there was a few parts that were funny, but it wasn't the same. It's a little too like, hey, look at this celebrity yeah, cameo. Yeah, there was a yeah. lot of celebrity stuff, which I guess his show was like well, that it was, too. What's his name? Who's now not famous to me anyways. The guy from True Blood is like yeah. the main character. And it's like Pee-wee's, he's and he's playing himself and is Pee-wee's yeah. best friend or whatever. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll stop talking about Pee-wee now. Was so, that was that your last one? Yeah. Okay. So my last one is probably the least known movie on my list, maybe. Um, and also definitely the most recent, I think, of any of the ones we picked. Uh, besides maybe... When, when did Pride and Prejudice come out? 2005. Hot no. Fuzz was later, 2007. Okay, yeah. This is definitely the newest one then. Uh, and that's Wolf Children from 2012 by Mamoru Hosada. Um, this is an anime movie by one of my favorite anime directors. He also did... Um, Girl Who Leapt Through Time, and Mirai was the one he did recently, I think last year. Um, and what's the other? Oh, Summer Wars is really good that I like a lot as well. Um, Wolf Children is about, 
basically this one falls in love with this guy, I think while she's in college or maybe right out of school. Um, and then finds out that he's a werewolf. Um, what? <laughs> and they fall in love and, uh, she gets pregnant and then he dies kind of a tragic death. And so then she has to raise her two half wolf children Wolflins. on her own, uh, her twin brother and sister. Um, and basically uh, the inspiration for the movie, the director says it was that he asked his friend what it was like to raise kids. And he said, it's like having little monsters in the house. Mm. <laughs> um, and so this movie's all about like, just kind of the challenges of raising kids, especially as a single parent, but also um, about like how to, how the two kids, they're twins, but how different they are in, especially how they um, deal with their werewolfness in this movie. That mm -hmm. One of them kind of embraces more of the wolf side and the other one is more kind of embarrassed by it. Um, it's just like a super sweet movie. This movie makes me cry every time we watch it. It's super sweet. Uh, it's a really beautiful allegory about growing up and raising kids and uh kind of finding who you're supposed to be and it's a lot and it's really gorgeous too the animation's really lovely um so yeah it's just a movie that really i was i like i was expecting to like it because at the time i'd really liked summer wars um and girl who leapt through time but uh it really kind of uh hit me harder than i thought it would and it's just like a super sweet movie uh Aww. that <laughs> I don't know. It just works. It's a it's a it's a perfect comfort movie for me for that reason because it is it's another one that's kind of bittersweet, but it's very kind of um, I don't know. I guess a lot of mine are not a lot, but some of mine are kind of uh, all about like family relationships and like being supported by your family and stuff. So that's that's yeah, another I think bit. All that works of them for me. except Jurassic Park. <laughs> well, not Stand by Me. Stand by Me is about horrible parents. <laughs> well, it's like the family you make for yourself, though. True, With true. Your friends. Yeah, Hannah and her sisters is definitely a family thing. And um, yeah, Lost in Translation is kind of like finding finding a new family. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, if, if you've never seen Wolf Children, I don't, I don't know necessarily that it's stream. Let me see. I think it's on HBO Max now. Is isn't it? it? It's not. On Letterboxd, it doesn't show that it's streaming anywhere, uh, unfortunately. But um, There's just so many like animated films on that. Yeah. I thought it maybe it was a Ghibli. Is it Ghibli? No, it's not. But mm -hmm. a lot of people, Has, Hasada gets compared to Miyazaki a lot. Um, and uh, Mir Mirai was not his best, the most recent one. It's pretty good. It's very similar to Wolf Children because um, it's all Is about. Is Mirai the one with the annoying kid? I don't know. Mirai <laughs> was about like the um, girl who basically gets to um, teach her younger brother. Like one of them's a ghost. I can't remember how it worked. Do you yeah, remember? and I feel like I didn't like it that much. It was okay. The boy was so annoying. But Summer Wars is definitely like a fam. Another kind of it's all built on family. Um, oh yeah, it's the four-year-old boy is Mirai is about a four-year-old boy who's struggling to cope with the arrival of his little sister. Um, he keeps like punching. He kind of goes. <laughs> he goes forward in time and he or backward in time and, and sees like his mother yeah. as a little girl and his great grandfather as like a young man. And basically kind of he discovers kind of how to be a good big brother by seeing like his parent, his ancestors when they were young and yeah. kind of seeing them as like regular people instead of just his parents. Mm, um, yeah. Our parents are people. Debatable, but yeah. <laughs> it's like when you realize your teachers live outside the school. Yeah. It's weird, right? <laughs> still weird if you ever see a teacher like at the grocery store yeah or and, even another co-worker and as somebody like, you don't exist out here what and, are you doing and let me tell you something <laughs> if you do see your teacher don't accost them about a grade they gave you yeah. that happened to me and that's not cool you're you got accosted yeah i was trying to buy a goddamn pretzel at the mall and <laughs> the student pretzel. got into an argument with selling me a pretzel got into an argument about a grade i gave them like you <sighs> were a pretty badass though yeah, I guess. <laughs> um any other thoughts on wolf children? No. So let's recap our list real quick. All right. What are your five comfort movies? Comfort movies. Jurassic Park, Lost in Translation, Stand By Me, Hannah and Her Sisters, and Wolf Children. And my comfort movies were Scream, Pride and Prejudice, Dead Alive, Hot Fuzz, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So if you combine these two lists, you'll just have nonstop fun laughing and Warm, crying laughing feelings. and crying and laughing <laughs> yeah and knitting and knitting <laughs> do you have anything to add amazing larry <laughs> um 
So I think that's it for this episode. But don't forget, you can always see a list of all the movies we talked about on our Letterboxd. You can also follow us on Twitter at Splice Podcast or on Facebook at Splice Together. Let us know what your comfort movies are. Unless it's the jo- unless it's Joker. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> okay, so that reminded me. <laughs> Went to the dentist recently know. and the dental hygienist asked me what we had been watching because I said like all we do is watch movies now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, the last movie I watched was Joker. It was good. And I was just sat there silently. <laughs> you, better not, you better not, Zoe's not listening to this podcast. I hope not. She's going to really make your guns bleed next time. I'm just like, I don't even know how, what to say yeah. to that. That was like when uh, when I came to pick you up from the movie theater one time when you were working. And I got oh in a, what was that guy's name? Robert. I, you knew exactly what I'm talking about. I got in a conversation with Robert. He's like, what are your favorite movies? And this is when I was in like, film school so i was probably like you're so I like snobby. the films of jean-luc godard <laughs> yeah. um, uh but uh he was like i uh, my favorite movie is either transformers <laughs> 3 or transformers 2 <laughs> that's li- literally what he said he couldn't i decide. used to make fun of him a lot for his movie choices he was just like i don't yeah. care i love them <laughs> you do you man whatever whatever, whatever your makes boat. you happy so his comfort list would be transformers one two three Five, four. <laughs> and transmorphers. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we'll see you soon on another episode of Spice Together. together.